I personally have never been in a defensive shooting with uh, with a charging grizzly or any other type of animal. Um, but I have no idea how I would react. I like to think that, uh, this gun would make it easy on me because, you know, if you practice with it, if you're familiar with it, if you have a little bit of training, you're just going to do what you're going to default to your training. Right. So my, you know, our goal designing this handgun was to just make it easy. Yeah. Right. You just pull it out, put the front sight on on the target, line up the rear sight and pull the trigger. Yeah. Right. These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. SIG is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, SIG Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, SIG Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit SigSauer.com. Okay, the long-awaited moment. I've had a kajillion questions about it. Um, I've had to straight up lie to people because I'm not allowed to talk about it. And finally, finally, we are allowed to talk about it. I've got one sitting in front of me. What am I looking at here? So this is a P320 in 10 millimeter. 10 millimeter. The right number of millimeters. Exactly. The best number of millimeters. Yes. Um, who are you and what do you do for SIG? So my name is Hunter Manson. I'm an engineer with the research and development team uh, here in New Hampshire. And uh, my responsibility is I work on the P320 team. So we uh, work with the 320 platform. We dabble a little bit in the 365 platform. So for any of your listeners who uh, don't know, the P320 is a semi-automatic striker-fired handgun. It uses a polymer grip module and it has a modular frame. So... It's a very versatile gun, comes in a lot of calibers, but this is our first offering in uh, 10 millimeters, so we're really excited about it. All right. We're going to go through this thing in excruciating detail, and I'm going to make the mistake of getting ahead of myself. Is this a fire control unit, that, that trigger assembly group, um, that can be modular with other calibers? So the serialized component itself is uh, a you know a piece of bent sheet metal that um it can be modified to fit in a nine mil so that's the the components in the assembly are not identical so you can't take the fire control unit from a 10 mil and drop it straight into a nine mil and expect perfect performance um just enough of the components are different that you're not going to be able to do that 
Um, if you were to make some armor level changes, change a few of the small parts within that fire control unit assembly, you would be able to take this and convert it into a 9mm, but it's not going to be quite as plug and play as, say, our 40 caliber and our 9mm or our 9mm and our 357 SIG offerings. Gotcha. All right. We're going to go back in the, back in the time machine to the, the birth of the 10mm, which came from a Marine, Lieutenant Colonel Cooper. Yep. Like... The man's man. Yep. Um, so uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Cooper founded the Gunside Academy. He had a huge impact on on people beginning to shoot pistols accurately. Like before him, people were shooting pistols one-handed, Yep. Um, which is just ludicrous. By and, today's standards, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after him, pistol shooting changed forever and in almost every way for the better. Uh, and he was also the inventor of the 10 mil auto cartridge. Yep. How does the 10 mil stack up ballistically compared to some other popular cartridges like the 40 Smith and Wesson, the nine mil 45 ACP. Those are kind of its closest neighbors, right? Yeah. Um, I would say it's hotter than all of those. Uh, there are some loadings that approach 10 mils power and there are some loadings of 10 millimeter that are somewhat weaker. Um, but all of our, uh, 10 mil offerings on the ammo side of things. They're loaded to the original specification that uh, Jeff Cooper laid out and they're hot. I mean, these things are putting out, you know, 624 foot pounds of energy. So uh, our loadings are pushing an 180 grain projectile at about 1250 FPS. And so uh, it will, you know, it will absolutely put down whatever critter is uh, on the other end of it. It's a very com like a very competent defensive load, and it also is really fun to shoot. You know, if you like a lot of power in your handguns, if you like things that recoil and make you feel alive, like feel like you're shooting a really powerful gun, this is this is definitely the gun for you. I haven't found the recoil to be unmanageable though, and I'm kind of a recoil sissy, but I'm I'm a big 10 mil advocate. Uh, I think that that the nine mil is is undergunned once you're out in the real world against things that are trying to kill you back, which, you know, I just have unfortunate luck and, uh, and exposure with wildlife, I think, and that they're often trying to kill me back. Uh, so I've had to use a 10 mil a couple times in yep. the last couple of years. And, uh, like last fall, I, and everybody's heard this story, but I had to shoot a bear that was charging me that was, um, defending a dead bull elk that it had been eating and sleeping on top of. And I shot that bear twice with mm -hmm. a 10 mil and, and killed it. That's remarkable. Another gentleman who was on the podcast uh, killed a grizzly with a 10 mil that charged him in Wyoming last yep. year. This is the, the right gun. And one of the things that people often come to me with is that they're like, well, the metallurgy is changing in ammunition and nine mils are getting better, which they are. True. So what I say is if you're holding both the 9 mil and the 10 mil and a grizzly bear blows out of the brush, which one are you going to shoot at him yep. with, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So to, to speak to what you're saying about how 9 mil loads have gotten better, that's absolutely the truth. Um, you know, back in the 80s, uh, the FBI had a shootout and um, 
The the Miami shootout, the right? Miami shootout, exactly. So tell me a little bit more about that. Do you know any details of that? You know, I've I've uh, read up on it a little bit. I'm no expert by any stretch of the imagination, but essentially the FBI's takeaway from that was that their nine millimeter handguns and their revolvers that they were using at the time, I believe they were uh, 38 special revolvers didn't have adequate what they called at the time stopping power, which really we would say uh, terminal ballistics. It didn't have the adequate terminal ballistics right. to uh, to stop the the criminals that were killing these agents. Yeah, and um, so it was a it was a terrible result. It was tragic. Uh, a lot of good law enforcement officers lost their lives uh, during that shootout, and so that caused the FBI to start looking for something with more power, and uh, they landed on the ten millimeter. Which, uh, like you said, Jeff Cooper was a big proponent of. But um, what they found was a lot of their um, smaller statured agents weren't able to handle the recoil of 10 millimeter. And so they dialed it back significantly. And that's how they ended up adopting 40 Smith & Wesson, which is the same exact case geometry right up until it stops as a 10 millimeter. It's a shorter version of the 10 millimeter. Yeah. And I would go so so far as to say lesser version. It just doesn't push that bullet as fast. As a product of that, there's less recoil. Another thing, and I think this is interesting that that the FBI cited this, is they said that people with smaller hands were having a hard yep. time with with the 10 mil. I don't really understand how you could take basically the same cartridge, make it slightly shorter, and then really effectively change that grip module. Am, am I missing something with that? Yeah. Um, so the thing about the 40 Smith and Wesson, so obviously we sell P320s chambered in 40 and they use a, uh, a magazine that is the same length as a nine mil magazine. So you can get um, a little bit smaller and more compact of a grip module. Gotcha. With so a it's, nine mil it's not the width issue. It's the exactly. length issue. It's the length that issue. makes front sense to back to length. Yep. You can essentially fit the same amount of rounds in a, uh, in a 10 millimeter that you can fit in a 40 Smith and Wesson gun. The, the difficulty comes when you add that extra length, you do have to change the magazine, which is one of the reasons why it's, it's been, um, it's been a long time coming that yeah. we've been waiting to offer this in 10 millimeter. Uh, it, it was, uh, we would need to design a new grip module essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've done and we've done it really well. This grip module is awesome. It's one of our X series grip modules. It's a huge update from the old 45 grips on the, uh, the P320, which, you know, um, had a slightly outdated ergonomics. So the, uh, yeah, the new grip module is super, super nice to shoot. I would say to talk about, uh, recoil and you said you were, uh, bit of a sissy when it came to recall. And I, I have trouble believing that to be honest with you, but, um, it is, it's true. You know, you can, you can definitely feel it. You can feel the power of the cartridge when you shoot this handgun, but it's a very smooth recoil impulse. It feels like you're getting pushed backwards as opposed to it snapping back and, sure. you know, uh, really feeling very snappy. It's a lot more of a, a firm shove than it is a sharp snap. So it doesn't feel like it's going to break your wrists it doesn't feel unpleasant to shoot. Um, it feels very much like you're uh, you're shooting a big handgun that has good ergonomics because that's exactly what it is. Well, there's no free lunch in physics. True. Um, so if you want more energy going towards the target, you're going to have more energy coming back towards you. Exactly. And it, it's inescapable. We, yep. we can't beat that. I really like this grip. It's super comfortable for me. It also seems to put my hand in the right position like immediately my hand's sliding up towards the, the top of it yep and uh no that's that's cool the slide is also um a lot easier to rack than what 
what I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. We put an updated recoil assembly into this gun and uh, we used a flat wire spring um, to give it a really nice compromise between uh, ease of racking and, and uh, smooth recoil impulse and still have enough energy to do all of the things that a recoil assembly needs to do. Do you mind if I take the slide off? Please. Absolutely. Okay. So what were some other challenges in... If you um, just pull the mag out, it'll it'll uh, it'll go right there. Gotcha. In uh, in making this gun. So um, one of the things that we really were hoping to do. So this this gun has a five inch barrel. It's got a bull barrel, um, and it's it's similar to the X5 in a lot of respects. So the X5 is one of our flagship target model handguns that a lot of competitive shooters really uh, love to use, and that has won a ton of competitions for the company. Um, and we really were trying very hard to uh, get holster compatibility between this and the X5. But what the problem we were running into was uh, we didn't have enough um, meat in the slide to get the recoil impulse as smooth and as slick as we wanted to. Okay. So we had to make some geometry changes to the slide in order to uh, in order to get it to a point where it really felt good to shoot. It functioned super well and super reliably. Um, and also, you know. 10 mil is a super hot cartridge and that has, uh, you know, guns get beat up by the 10 mil cartridge. So we had to do a lot of work to make sure that all of our engineering and all of our components were exactly where we needed them to be in order to, uh, in order to not, you know, have this gun last fewer rounds than it should. We wanted a product for the consumer that really was going to, uh, last a long time, be something that you can hand down to your children, be something that you can rely on absolutely when you're in the field and your life is on the line. Because, you know, we designed this with uh, the Western hunting crowd very much in mind because grizzly country is no joke. And there have been sort of an uptick in uh, human grizzly interactions in recent years. There's half a dozen people getting killed or mauled every single year now. I've already seen a couple news stories about it this year. And that's, it's it's April. The guy died last week yeah um and he was he was out shed hunting these early season shed hunters seem to be putting putting themselves at at exceptional risk mm-hmm. and uh yeah they're getting killed and it's it's incredibly unfortunate but it's happening another thing that's happening is one of the the other good deterrents in case a bear is charging you is bear spray but like we talked about with Sam, um, who, who killed that bear in Wyoming, his buddy was spraying at the same time that he was shooting. Yep. And because they had the wind in their face, the spray never reached the bear. So that's a problem. Like you're always gambling on the wind. Yep. The other problem is once a bear has been sprayed, the next time he gets sprayed, the effectiveness goes down significantly. And then the third time he's been sprayed, it's basically completely ineffective. And you have no idea. But there's a good chance, because we have so much interaction between these bears and people, that if they're a bear that has a type of lifestyle that that puts them in an area where they're around folks, probably they've been sprayed before. So now if if that's your go-to, is like pop the can off the, the bear bear spray canister and and start putting pepper in his face it probably won't work it might not work i'm not going to say probably but i'm not going to go with might not work i'm going to go with definitely is going to work and that's going to be a gun yeah i'm a i'm a fairly risk adverse person so if i'm going to be hiking in grizzly country i'm going to be carrying a 10 mil right i mean 
for me, it's the other options that are out there are, you know, mostly it's either semi-auto 10 mils or big bore revolvers. Yeah. Right. And uh, I'm way more comfortable with a semi-auto just because that's what I shoot. Right. Not just because I work at SIG, but also in my personal life, you know, I, and it's easier to carry. Exactly. Um, you have more, more rounds in it. It's easier to get multiple shots off, yep. which is important. Yep. It, it's, it's really better. It, it, it is better. Um, and it's the choice that I make when, when my life is on the line mm-hmm. and it's the choice that I'm going to continue to make. Um, gosh, so I'm seeing a, a plate on the top of this slide. It looks yes. like I can put a red dot on here. Yes, this is fully optics ready from the factory. It's uh, it's cut for a uh, Romeo 1 Pro or Romeo 2. We highly recommend the Romeo 2 on this gun. It just is a very tough optic that really is built to stand up to the rigors of a 10 mil. Um, it's also got a cut for an RMR. You can put a Delta Point Pro on there. And there are many companies that offer adapter plates, so you can put a whole host of different optics onto this handgun. Um, it comes from the factory uh, with normal height iron sights, and uh, you have the capability of installing suppressor height sights to have that nice co-witness. It has front and rear dovetails, okay. so you can just drop suppressor height sights on there. You'll have a completely co-witnessed optic, so God forbid your optic fails in a defensive situation when you got a grizzly bear charging at you. You'll still be able to default to those iron sights, get a good sight picture, make your hits, and live. Now, I want to talk about this barrel a little bit. Uh, I think within the rifle community, when people hear bull barrel, they tend to think of like a big, thick, heavy barrel. Mm -hmm. But what bull actually means is that there's not a taper to it. Yep. Um, So this isn't a big, thick, heavy barrel. It. I mean, it, it, it is and it isn't. It, it, it's, a, it's an appropriate, yep. it's an appropriately um, weighted barrel. Yep. It just doesn't taper. It's a straight pipe. Yep. It's a straight pipe. It's 16 millimeters in diameter. Um, is it a 16 twist? I believe it is. Oh, man, you're testing my knowledge here oh, for sure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I believe it's a little bit tighter than that. Okay. Um, I think it is a one... Man, you know what? I'd honestly have to check the barrel drawing. I was looking at it earlier today, but it's just my mind is going blank. Don't worry about it. Um, and honestly, nobody else should either mm. because uh, that's not super important. Um, I imagine it's the same as the 1911 and the 220. It is the same as the 220. It is twisted in the opposite direction as the 220, interestingly. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's... it's um, I think a conversion that we did when we first switched over to the 320, we just, you know, made a decision that we were going to, based on the tooling that we had available, that we were going to twist in the opposite direction. Interesting. Yeah. So is it a left-hand twist? Um, it is a left-hand twist, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Not something you see every day. No. Again, something that doesn't really matter that much, but yeah. Yep. Uh, so I've shot uh, targets at 100 yards a lot with my 220 Yep. and, and with my 1911. Those are very, very accurate guns. I can even do it with an audience, which I think is the real test of, uh, of shooting. That is impressive. I, I often crip, uh, fall under pressure. <laughs> I collapse. And I will take that back. It is, in fact, a right hand twist. I did just look down the barrel to check. And I believe the 220 is, in fact, the opposite of that. Okay. At least it is on the drawing. Whether gotcha. it is in reality is, yeah. you know, up for debate. Again, largely irrelevant. Hmm. Okay, when we're talking about rifling... Um, you know, the, the other 10 mil that we see out there in the world quite often is a Glock. Yes. And the most appropriate bullets for, um, for a bear are going to be hard cast bullets. Yep. Um, they tend to come in heavier grain weights. 
they have better penetrating capabilities. And then if you're using that semi wad cutter style of bullet, um, that was made popular by, I'll think of it in a second. Um, I'm just glad I'm not the only one who yeah. forgets things. <laughs> yeah, no, I forget all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so he was a gun writer from from Salmon, Idaho. Um, mm-hmm. He was a proponent of, of of big heavy bullets and big heavy guns, and um, he kind of came up with that semi wad cutter style. What's great about semi wad cutter um, is that it has enough of a step um, onto the bearing surface that it can cut arteries, but it also tends to penetrate deeply yep. and straight, which is exactly what you want when you're when you're shooting at a bear. I need that bullet to go as deep into the animal as possible, yep. and I want it to do as much damage on its way in. Exactly. Um, I did kill that black bear uh, with hollow points, and yep. that worked out great, but it was a little bear. Yep. So, again, the best ammo is the ammo that you have, but if you have all the choices, these hard cast bullets are great. Um, Glock says not to shoot hard cast through their guns. Yep. Um, can we shoot it through this gun? Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's, uh, we've done a ton of testing. Um, one of the rounds that we've tested extensively is the Buffalo bore 220 grain hard cast to their heavy 10 mil branded ammunition. And, uh, it runs phenomenally. It's and, one of my favorite ammos to shoot out of this gun. And that's as hot as we can get 10 mil. Yeah. 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 It's that's pushing over 700 foot pounds of energy. It's got a uh, 220 grain cast lead projectile at I think over 1200 FPS. Yeah, it's it's really hot stuff. Um, it's very impressive, and it's hitting harder at 100 yards than a 45 ACP is at the muzzle. Yes, yeah, it's like I said, this is easily the most capable handgun cartridge that uh, that we sell. Yeah, uh, talk to me about the magazine. So the magazine is a 15 round magazine. So you get 15 in the magazine plus one in the chamber, 16 in the gun. Uh, we did. We, it's a brand new magazine, so we had to do a lot of development work, um, getting this just right. We went through dozens of iterations to, you know, perfect what this magazine is and how it feeds, and uh, make sure it's absolutely reliable for for our customers, for the end user, because we recognize that our handguns are life or death products. Yeah, I've been seeing prototypes of this gun for yep. for years now. And, uh, the first magazine that I saw was, was two magazines welded together. <laughs> yes, and, it was. And the grip module was 3d printed Yep. and, uh, it, it was slicker than a rainbow trout. And I was, <laughs> I was actually out on Kodiak. Yep. Patrick almost got munched by a bear while we were out filming. Um, <laughs> I remember I sent the guns for you guys on that trip yeah. and yeah, it, uh, I'm glad you didn't have to test them at that point just because it means you didn't have to get into an encounter with a, with a grizz and that would have been, or would it be a coastal brown bear? It'd be brown bears It'd be a coastal brown bear. Either way, not an ideal situation to get munched on by one of those. Well, Patrick is a wild man, as you know. Um, I do. Yeah. He's a lot to, lot to handle from time to time and he, and he goes off and does his own thing. So we were out fishing and we were, we were filming for this pistol and uh, one of the shot list items uh, that we had for this hunt was to get a picture with, uh, with us fishing and a bear in the background yeah. and, and, and the pistol visible. And I was like, Holy cow, that's a lot to ask. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so we're out fishing and we're looking for some bears and we're going to go to a different location. And I said, all right, Patrick, we're here. We're going there. He's like, yep, I'm here. I go to the spot and there's no Patrick. And he just like, stopped at a random place mm-hmm. someplace else and headed up the river and he frightened a bear and it came across a trail at like three yards away from him. Yeah. 
Um, so we almost got to put a prototype to use right there. Uh, fortunately not, you know, yep. definitely is not the goal to ever use this thing under no. that situation. The goal is to be capable of using it yep. and for it to be capable of doing the job. But yeah, that was a, that was a hilarious thing. I, I thought, <laughs> but when Patrick finally caught up with us again, his eyes were about four times bigger than normal. <laughs> <laughs> he was taking it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. He's a brave guy too. So yeah. that means a lot. And you know, I don't think I personally have never been in a defensive shooting with uh with a charging grizzly or any other type of animal. Um, but I have no idea how I would react. I like to think that, uh, this gun would make it easy on me because, yeah. you know, if you practice with it, if you're familiar with it, if you have a little bit of training, you're just going to do what you're going to default to your training. Sure. Right. So my, you know, our goal designing this handgun was to just make it easy. Yeah. Right. You just pull it out, put the front sight on, on the target, line up the rear sight and pull the trigger. Yeah. Right. Like, tell me simple. about this trigger. It's a flat trigger. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a, I'm personally a big fan of the flat triggers. Uh, this one is uh, got a medium trigger pull. It's you know probably around four and a half pounds, five pounds. So relatively light. Yep. Not you know a duty style trigger, but um, really nice for for uh, aimed shots at. Uh, target. So this, yep. we also designed this gun with taking game in mind. Sure. You know, I know in, here in New Hampshire, handgun hunting is a big part of our culture, and uh, 10 mil is definitely one of the preferred cartridges to do that, just because it has such ter- good terminal ballistics on you know medium sized, big game animals. And uh, the white tails here are big in body and small in antlers, yeah. which is really unfortunate because you know I I would love a you know, a 200 inch whitetail hanging on my wall. But around here, you know, we, we do love our 200 pound club. We yep. do love those big bodied deer and this, uh, this will absolutely take one and put it down. Sure. So we, uh, we wanted this trigger to be precise and accurate and feel really good to take good shots, uh, and hit what you're aiming at. We didn't want to make it too light just because, you know, it is a handgun that you're going to be carrying that you're going to have in the field. Um, and uh, we want to reduce any possibility of uh, of accidents, so we wanted it to be in that nice middle range between you know a, a very heavy duty style trigger and a light competition style trigger, and I think we nailed it. And there's plenty of room inside this trigger guard to get a gloved finger in there. Yes, absolutely. That's another big deal to me because yep. when you're out there in the real world, sometimes it's cold and you got to wear gloves. Yep. So we kind of skipped over sights. Sure. The, the Romeo Two uh, Red Dot sight is is incredibly important in terms of red dots and for those who don't know the way a red dot works is it it has a, a curved lens that a light reflects into and then bounces back to you if anything gets between that light and the lens then you can no longer see yep but with a romeo 2 you can completely enclose that red dot and now you can go out and you can get pine needles around it and yep. you can you can be in the snow and you can be in the rain. Yep. So it's not just something that you can use on the range. It's something mm-hmm. that you can use in real life. A very um, practical tool. Sure. And if you're going to have it as a duty gun or, or hunting, um, anytime that you're not just like on the range, having that red dot enclosed is incredibly important. Can't stress that enough. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, I know that I've been at competitions where, which is where I do most of my shooting and I've gotten sand and dirt and dust and debris into the emitter of my red dot. And it was a real pain. And that's in a, 
relatively low stress situation. If I'm going to take a hunting gun out in the field, I'm definitely going to want an enclosed red dot, something that uh, I know is not going to get fouled and is going to, the dot's just going to be right there when I need it. Yeah. And it's got a titanium shroud, which is yes. really nice to help protect it because we're hard on stuff. You know, yeah. I, I wear that pistol on my chest and I'm out there crawling around and it's getting covered in blood and, you know, I'm bumping into stuff. I need to protect that system as much as possible. Yeah. So. Also a very waterproof optic. You don't have to worry totally. about it. You know, it taking a short swim in a river. Yep. Right. If you happen to, you know, slip and fall. Or example. just getting rained on for three exactly. weeks straight in Alaska or yep. what, or the Oregon coast or wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, do these sites glow in the dark? Yes, they do. So they have uh, tritium inside of them, little tritium vials. And so they present a nice bright green light, three dot arrangement. So pretty standard night site setup for SIG. Um, it's, it's got a really, I really like the sight picture on this mm -hmm. gun. I think we picked a really good set of sights to put on it. It's got a nice, uh, green, um, shroud around the, the vial in the front sight and black shrouds around the vials in the rear sight. So you just get a really good pop to that front sight and, uh, it just screams, you know, put me in the center of the target. Right. So, yep. It's a very intuitive aiming system. What's the gun weigh? Oh man. Uh, so it weighs a little under 30 three ounces, I want to say, uh, with a magazine and no ammunition in it. And that'll, that'll raise up a little bit once yep. you, uh, once you have it loaded, but pretty light, handy gun, all things considered, definitely not the, you know, lightest gun that we offer. Uh, but you know, I'm not really that concerned about concealing a bear defense pistol, right? For me, at least I think, uh, I don't think the bear is going to care if it can see the gun. Sure. No, well, not so much about concealment at all, but we are concerned as backcountry hunters about how much weight we're carrying. Sure. And you need to, to bring enough gun. If you make it too light, then the gun's unshootable. Exactly. Um, if you make it too heavy, then it's, it's inconvenient and you won't carry it. Like my, my P220 10 mil Hunter yep. is a beast of a gun. That thing weighs like four pounds and change. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is a vast improvement. I mean, that's like carrying a rifle on my chest. Yeah. It's, it's very small. It's uh, just over two pounds, I believe. So, yeah. you know, really a, quite a small capable, it's not a small gun. It's five inch barrel. So yeah. it's a, you know, a light capable handgun that I, I would feel very comfortable carrying this in the back country. Well, you've put a massive amount of work into this gun and, uh, what's, what's so cool for me is this is the first, like production P320 10 mil yep. that I've seen. Like yep. it's finally happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all coming together and I'm, I'm personally so excited. This has been, you know, the, the better part of the past couple of years of my life yeah. has been just complete devotion to this project. And, and, uh, it's been a labor of love because, yeah. uh, I intend to use this, you know, I have a couple of, uh, hunts planned out West. So my first Western big game hunt, probably, uh, in October, early October oh, going for mule deer. Where are you going? So I'm probably going to go to the wind river, uh, range in, uh, in Wyoming. Oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's fingers crossed. I, in theory have a hundred percent draw odds up there okay. with, with just one point. But, um, yeah, I've got, I know a couple guys out there who, uh, hopefully will be able to get me either some, some good permissions or give, do be able to do a little bit of pre-scouting for me. Cause I'm probably not going to be able to fly out to Wyoming before the hunt, but, um, I'm really excited. I was supposed to go for black bear in Montana actually about a year ago. 
Um, and it ended up uh, that I blew my ACL out about oh, no. three weeks before I was going to go. So, well, it's okay. Cause it turned into a fishing trip, which, you know, if you're going to go somewhere to fish, uh, Bozeman and the surrounding areas are a pretty darn good place to go, uh, catch some trout. So okay. I still had a great time, but, uh, I'm still waiting for that first Western big game experience. I'm really excited for it. Well, that is exciting. Uh, what rifle are you going to take? So I'm probably going to invest in a SIG cross, uh, okay. just cause I am a company man yeah. and, uh, it's a really capable rifle you know 308 is definitely big enough for for mule deer sure i'm not concerned at all about not having enough energy um and uh, it's a lightweight gun it's just nice to carry um and also some of our magnified optics are are really quite nice so i haven't decided yet what optic i'm gonna take but uh i'm I'm pretty sure it's gonna be a sig optic okay i mean you can use bdx in wyoming and, and that's a great choice sure uh i i love to to dial and I, I like a reticle. Yep. So I end up using the Tango six most of the time. Yeah. But you really can't go wrong. I have a lot of practice dialing. So yeah. that's been my, my go-to on all my competition guns is basically a low power variable optic and LPVO. So, yeah. I mean, you know, six power magnification is probably going to be plenty. You know, I might want to get a little bit more, but I mean, I live in New Hampshire. It's not like we have a ton of good places to practice long range shooting. So yeah. I think I'm going to, you know, trust in my, my woodsman skills yeah. to get as close as possible yeah. um, and use that. But well, my, my tango six is a five to 30. Oh, there you go. And I, I definitely, I, I think that 10 power is where most people should be for, for most of the ranges that, that they're shooting at. I would love, you know, a scope that was a fixed 10 power. Sure. Um, I'm kind of a unique beast because not a lot of other, other people like that, but it's one less thing for me to do. Yeah. Um, but 10 power is, is a really good sweet spot. Six yep. can be a little bit light if you've got to shoot okay. Wind River, Wyoming distances. All right. Um, so I was, This is good info. I, 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 would, I would mag up a little bit. Okay. But uh, no, man, that's going to be a great hunt. That'll be really fun. And I'm October's, super excited. You never know what you're going to get. It could be 20 below zero. It could be t-shirt weather. Yep. It could be both of those things on yep. the same trip. Um, but October is my favorite month. And, uh, it, I know it's a lovely month out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be less colorful there for you yep. for sure. That's okay. Um, but, uh, hopefully you get to see the color of a mule deer. I'm going to spend plenty of time in the woods in the fall either way, but I think uh, a change of scenery will do me good. So here's hoping. Yeah. How do you plan on carrying this gun while you're out there? Chest holster. Yeah. Chest holster. I mean, it's just, I, uh, ever since I got my first bino harness Mm -hmm. and started like carrying things on my chest, it's just such a natural feeling. Yeah. Um, for all of my competition stuff for, you know, uh, the rig that I have set up for, for home defense, I have a, a a hip holster, right? Strong side, three o'clock, very traditional setup for duty style use. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really used to that, but what I do find I've taken it hunting on a number of occasions Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing things like banging through brush, you know, trying to sneak through, uh, something thick, uh, you know, when I get into situations where there is a significant amount of water, I'm so worried and concerned with that pistol on my hip and making sure that it, it's not going anywhere. And that I, I, I haven't done anything to it, or, you know, I'm, I'm not putting myself in danger potentially by getting something, you know, stuck into my holster. Um, I don't want to worry about it. Yeah. I just want to have it on my chest where I can just, you know, quick glance down. I know it's there. I can feel the weight of it on my shoulders and it's, if I ever need it, it's super quick on the draw. Um, it is a very fast draw, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 
It is. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to uh, to be getting a chest holster, probably something that sits behind my bino harness. Okay. Uh, get a specific rig for that. Nice. I know there are so many companies that are making good yeah. chest holsters these days. So yeah. no, I'm really excited to set this up. There are some good ones. Um, Razco is a good one. Yep. Um, so that one actually sits below your harness. So it actually sits kind of down on your belly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a good place to kind of keep the gun out of the way. And, uh, Norden makes a, they're a Montana company. They make a yep. really cool chest holster system. I know there's a bunch of them out there, but yeah, I think that that's, that's where people should be carrying this type of gun for hunting. And one of the big reasons is that there's not a good way to carry a pistol on your hip. If you're using a pack, that's true as well. Cause it's either under your hip belt or you put it on your pack and now you only have the gun if your pack's on. Yep. So if you're bent over, like, gutting an elk or something, like, that's a good time for a bear to show up. And now yeah. you don't have your gun on you. I've heard a lot of stories that basically have that where someone's like, and then the bear charged and my handgun was two yards away. Yeah. Unacceptable. It's, it's no good. Unacceptable. It doesn't do you any good. No, it so. might as well be a big old hammer sitting over there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, is a, a terrible situation. It's got to be like the worst feeling in the world. Like I brought this all this way and I just put it in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Now you're going to die painfully and be embarrassed because yeah. you did something dumb on the way. Yeah. What am I missing about this gun? Man, that's a hard question. Um, so I guess I haven't actually said the uh, the model name of it. It's going to be called the X10. So it's got a, a, a it's in the our X series of handguns due okay. to you know the grip style is. And the serration style that we use on the slide, it fits into that family model. Gotcha. Um, and then, you know, we have the X5, or like I said, our competition handgun with a 5-inch barrel. And then the X10 was kind of just like the name that flowed. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be adding to that lineup because it's a super uh, it's a super well-made line of handguns. Our X-Series guns are some of my favorites to shoot. That's what I, you know, originally bought before I even worked at SIG. My first handgun was a uh, x full rxp so uh 4.7 inch barrel with the uh with the romeo one pro red dot coming attached from the factory with co-witnessed iron sights and i just i love that thing i still use it all the time when i go and shoot competitions so super fun uh to be part of this yeah and if you're hearing this podcast folks this gun is available right now and that hasn't always been the case with six sometimes uh people have to wait a really long time yeah. after they hear about a product but uh if you're listening it's there like you you can go down to your shop and get this thing ordered um right now yep super exciting thank you so much for the work that you've done on it i've been like needing this gun um personally for <laughs> for a long time now i can't wait to actually get one of these production models um back to my home and and get it in a holster and and uh have it start living with me because that's what it's going to do and whichever poor 10 mil ends up uh in in my world is going to have a hard life but i think that this gun can handle it yeah absolutely that's what it was made for and thank you so much for having me on it's been a it's been a pleasure talking with you thank you very much and good luck in wyoming i I expect some pictures i appreciate it i'll send them along all right bye so i found this old ad and there's like dudes dressed up like construction workers and a guy's got a jackhammer and there's a crane and you know they're moving all these big steel beams and stuff aladdin stanley thermos stanley the tough all steel thermos bottle that's completely dependable 
they're showing this thermos like falling off this building and hitting all this other construction stuff. And built to take a bombing year after year. <laughs> Get the top. Oh, lands in the wheelbarrow. The guy grabs it out of the wheelbarrow. Now he's going to pour himself a cup of coffee. I love these cheesy old ads. And most of the time, like, they're lying to us, right? That's most of what marketing used to be was just, like, telling a lie or, or at least telling a version of a lie that, that made you think that you needed this thing. But I'll tell you what, when it's cold out like it is right now, the only way to keep liquid liquid and not freezing in your pack is by putting it in something that's insulated. So packing a thermos in the wintertime is really smart, whether it's for a hot beverage like coffee or if you just want to bring some water with you, which is a really important thing if you're going to be out adventuring around in this uh, in this snow that we've got all over the country. And I think you should be because it's a great time of year to get out and about. You know, this is both a comfort and a safety thing. If you want to get something from Stanley, which I encourage you to do, you can use the discount code 6RANCH. That's the number six in the word ranch. And that'll get you 25% off of just about anything on their website. Encourage you to do that. They're great supporters of the show and uh, great supporters of this audience. And I love you guys. So stay warm out there. Have a nice warm drink and uh, make sure you're drinking it out of a Stanley product. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch Podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.